22 minutes after 7 p.m. And, uh, yeah, welcome to our business wrap here on the Mighty Metro. And, uh, yeah, we take a look now, of course, at that big story, as I said, uh, all the way out in uh, the sugar-growing part of our country in Guazul Natal and, of course, uh, the sugar-growing parts of uh, many of our neighboring countries, uh, Zimbabwe and Mozambique, namely. And joined on the line tonight to uh, talk about this and many other stories in the market, co-founder at Satana Capital, Kanya Nzululeka. Kanya? Good evening. Welcome. Morning, Ayabong. Well, Kanya. evening, uh, Ayabonga. Kanya, I know it's, <laughs> it's been a long minutes. day. I know it's 23 minutes after 7, but PM, not Yeah. AM. PM, please, yeah. please, please, please. All right. <laughs> no, I'm good. And how about you? I'm well, thank you. I'm well, thank you. Kanya, I want us to go straight to Tongat. Um, sure. And for me, you know, what I think is interesting and maybe deserving of, a, you know, another documentary like the one we saw of Steinhoff. Um, mm. and hopefully maybe the SABC will do it this time around, um, is, is something that we have seen unfolding in slow motion here at Tongart. Um, mm. I mean, we saw earlier on this year, former executives at Tongart, you know, the Stouders, the Monroes, and many others, you know, uh, before the docks, basically. Um, and I understand they're out on bail at the moment. Um, mm. In an unfolding drama that also includes, I guess, uh, Deloitte, the... Uh, auditors here who seemingly, uh, I guess, were either involved in this malfeasance or were sleeping on the job. Give us some of the background and then we'll, we'll take a look at, I guess, some guidance they've given to the market about uh, their debt and, I guess, how they got to this business rescue process. Um, yeah, I have on a very, very unfortunate situation. Um, I think that um, your listeners would remember that last week um, they came out saying that actually they are going into business rescue because their lenders actually have not given support to the restructuring plan that the board had actually approved. Extremely, extremely unfortunate. Um, Tongat definitely supports a lot of rural economies in KZN. Um, and today they just came out saying that they are going to miss their payment deadline to the sugarcane growers. That was expected. Um, however, I think that, you know, it would have been nice to see what they can do. However, you know, the situation is really, really bad. And as you mentioned, it all goes back to accounting irregularities that have been absolutely, absolutely horrible. If you read the PwC forensic report, you can see that you almost can't believe, you know, that auditors would actually miss some of these things. Mm. You know, um, recognizing revenue earlier than you should. Uh, it's accounting 101, really. Capitalizing expenses. Um, they capitalize quite a few infrastructure costs. Um, once again, accounting 101. And a general governance failure, really, that um, was not arrested for a very, very long time, all the way, I think, between 2015 and 2018. And what are the repercussions um, similar to the spinal situation that we had? The people who are going to bear the brunt of such um, such bad behavior, it's, you know, the, the employees, it's the people who are working out in the field. Today's um, payment deadline being missed and the potential that these sugarcane growers might not actually be paid for the foreseeable future, mm. it puts about 14,000 permanent and seasonal farm workers at risk. I mean, these are individuals who aren't necessarily sitting on savings or any form of other income protection. They are extremely, extremely vulnerable. Um, You have about 4,300 growers who were delivering 600,000 tons to them, and 4,000 of those are are small out from the, Mm. you know, an already really darkened socioeconomic outlook of the country. 
and especially, of course, many of those sugarcane growers who are reliant on the mills that Tongat Hewlett operates as a potential buyer of what it is that they grow. Exactly. Um, you know, like I said, I don't anticipate that these are individuals who are sitting on diversified income or some form of other income protection. So they're heavily reliant on Tongat. Um, there are other potential buyers out there in the market, but to actually get into, you know, a big corporate supply chain, it's very difficult. It's not something that's going to happen tomorrow. Mm. And also, if you consider the fact that, you know, in total, I think that they are owed about $400 million for what they delivered in September. Um, Tonglat is most probably going to miss the October, um, you know, payment in, in, you know, come the end of November as well. So... It's a huge working capital situation, and you know, as a person who's in the working capital business myself, mm. it's really, really sad because if someone comes to me and they say, "Please help me out," um, you know, I'm sitting with all the debt facing Tonga Hewlett. It's going to be difficult, right? Yeah. Because if I give you money, I need to be very confident that Tonga is actually going to make it. And with the government being quite silent, which I think is um, is not good, right? Because this is a this is a huge issue from a socio-economic perspective, mm. and hopefully they will bring themselves to the table sooner rather than later. But like I said, with the government being quite um, you know quiet, it's going to be difficult even for other working capital providers to to really help out these guys. And I don't think mm. that they have family and friends, you know, who can actually bridge them until this is sort of sorted out. Yeah, but I mean, they're sitting on a some would suggest a uh, very fat balance sheet. I mean, all that property, all of those mills, um, you know, is that not where one would look first in order to, I guess, pay all of these residual claimants, as it's often said, you know, the the lenders, the workers, and potentially something, I guess, or even some transitional arrangements for the sugarcane growers? Mm, Yeah, I mean... Part of that restructuring plan did involve disposals of a number of things, and they have been able to bring their debt down from 2019 when all this accounting irregularity came out. Um, they were able to reduce it, I think, by over $6 billion. However, it's, it's getting really difficult for them to continue operations, and so they needed to also have working capital provided to them as well, that is Tongat. Um, and uh, they they were struggling to find that they did get some form of a cap like a, a capital injection from the lenders in June July. However, this debt restructuring plan seems to really have not in any way impressed them. Mm. It involved you know disposing of nine SA sugar operations. Um, it involved, like you said, um, you know selling off a couple of um, you know sites. It involved downsizing office space, but regardless of all of that, the lenders obviously just looking through and potentially with uh, with them having an opportunity to really pop under the hood more than we will from the outside, they've just said that you know we, we can't support it as it is at the moment. And in business rescue, it doesn't necessarily mean that this is it. You know, business rescue proceedings don't um, imply impending liquidation. Mm, yeah. So there is still a chance, and perhaps the lenders are. Perhaps it's it's their way of saying that we we need independent, more strategic people that we trust mm. to come in and look at this. So yes, there is all of that land. 
However, the economy, the global economy, isn't exactly doing that well sure, either. Sure. So perhaps were there concerns about whether or not there would be buyers, and if so, at what price would it actually be able to cover everything that's happening? Mm. Um, so I, I do think that those would have been a couple of uh, considerations from the lender's yeah. perspective. The other element, kind of just before we leave this one, because we'll also have a chance to talk about it in, in the next segment with the sugarcane growers themselves. Um, mm. But very interesting, um, you know, I guess, update that Tongart had given to the market at the end of March. Um, and uh, when they were giving, I guess, uh, the update on this debt restructuring. And uh, you made the point earlier about working capital. And I want us to maybe just look at that for a second. Because what they were saying is that, fine, they had secured and concluded a facility of $600 million on the 29th of uh, July um, 2022, or which was expected to come online then. Uh, they did get mm-hmm. it, um, and it would remain in place until the end of September when it would be expected to be paid. But they were also hoping to get a further $750 million from other lenders outside of this pool of South African lenders. It seems all mm-hmm. of those dominoes have not fallen in the, in the right direction because I guess um, all of the other funding was reliant on the lenders and the, the board approving the restructuring plan and uh, the debt restructuring plan in particular. Um, what do you make of that? And I guess uh, as an example of what has maybe gotten us here, because one would think that a big chunk of how we got here, in the case of, of Tongat, is the inability to meet working capital requirements. And one of those requirements is that 400 million rand bill that you need to pay the people who are dropping sugar cane at your door or at the door of your mill um, every month. Mm. Mm. So I think that a big part from my perspective of, of how we actually have gotten here, um, you know, even though we might have a difference of opinions with the people who actually then made the decision to to, to actually say, listen, we're going to step away for mm-hmm. a minute and see what happens with business rescue proceedings, is also the fact that they, Tonga did actually try to recapitalize through an equity capital raise. Mm-hmm. So that didn't work either. So, Is that the one with the tobacco of- connection? Sorry? Is that the one with the tobacco connection? I think so, but I have to just look into it again. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so they yeah. wanted to get a new shareholder, the Rudland Group or something like that. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah. Okay. So that failed. And I think that in that case, the lenders possibly, they wanted that to happen. So mm. in a situation like this, I, I do think that if, if you are if, if you're struggling, um, to get equity providers to take risk on you. It's going to be difficult to get lenders to take risk on you, right? Yeah, because yeah. you're already quite risky. Um, and it's quite a difficult uh, and a very different situation to the Sassel one, um, mm. if you remember, where Sassel was sitting with astronomical, astronomical um, debt. Yes. However, they were quite fortunate because everything that was happening with them is COVID hit and, you know, the world basically shut down. And then immediately, um, in order to actually re-stimulate the economy, you had all this money coming through the economy and that filtered through to the price of, you know, commodities Mm. and so forth. Mm. Um, So they were quite fortunate in that respect. Sugar as well is a commodity, but I don't think that the, you know, the, the, the price increases were as great. And if you remember, Tonga has been... 
has been facing other operational issues as well in terms sure. of the product productivity at, at the you know the, the manufacturing plants and the like whereas at Sasol operationally they were really able to get back up on their feet quite quickly yeah. and that rights issue wasn't even necessary. So a story that two stories that are quite mm. contrasting um, and yeah, hopefully with Tongat, we can hopefully have a very happy ending in the in, in the end. One hopes so, uh, least of all for the many communities that are reliant on it. But uh, let's shift our attention to uh, process uh, on Aspers. Uh, I never know sort of what to call them. Um, but yeah, yeah. they uh, went out and sent today disputing a, what they're seeing as fake news coming from uh, one of the uh, tech publications out in Asia that... Um, uh, state-owned investment company, one of the more recognizable ones, the Citic Group, mm. might be wanting to acquire their 20-something percent stake uh, in Tencent. And they're saying, no, no, no. Fake news, lad. Mm. Well, they definitely came out saying it's fake news. However, if you if you follow the, the Chinese tech industry, you will know that this isn't, I mean, it might be true or not true. We don't know, right? However, mm. if you look at what's been happening um, between late last year with Alibaba and, um, and Payne, um, you know, and all the other Chinese tech stocks, where the Chinese government was essentially saying that, listen, they actually, we, we need to regulate you guys. Um, Didi went through a very intense security probe. Um, last time I checked, they were going to get fined quite a bit. So when you come across reports like that, while it isn't speaking to regulation or uh, a particular, like, you know, takedown or anything that might be too strong, it does make you wonder. Um, and for the purposes of your listener, um, essentially what has happened is that um, NASPERS Bay came out saying that, listen, this article saying that we're currently in conversations with, like you said, a very reputable Chinese state-owned company is not true. Mm. There is no such thing. What we are planning to do, um, and I quote, is to sell shares in Tencent in an orderly manner and regularly, small amounts for their share repurchase program. Um, so that's what NASPERS has come out. But I just thought it's very interesting that at a time where President Xi Jinping has now solidified his hold over, you know, the Chinese government, and there are signs that, you know, the economy might actually, from a Chinese economy perspective, there might be some recovery, not necessarily in the short term, but, you know, pretty soon, that those sort of reports are now coming out. But like you said, they have, you know, said that it's not true. Mm. And I, I guess for the moment, we'll just have to hold on to their word like that. Yeah, and I guess, of course, a lot of this, very much part of them paying shareholders, as they often say, and... Uh, you know, buying back shares or, you know, bumper dividends um, to uh, try and narrow that discount at which um, some of the entities trade, as they often say. Uh, and I'm not yeah. sure if whether that is working, but that's a story for another day. But let's shift to another story that uh, we saw coming through in the markets uh, earlier on today, uh, which uh, I found rather interesting. And um, uh, that's uh, the story of uh, the Siangena uh, Technologies story and Prasa. <laughs> Now, uh, these were the guys, apparently, who were putting in security features, turnstiles, all of the things that restrict access in the different passenger train stations of uh, Prasa. Um, and uh, the uh, Supreme Court of Appeal here saying, no, Nina, you are not just an innocent bystander. That uh, you, you had an active interest and actively participated in uh, displacing 
procurement processes at Prasa in order to irregularly award you this particular tender. What do you make of this? Um, yeah, I also, I, I just found the name of the company very interesting, yeah, 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 right. uh, <laughs> It's like, listen, they, they weren't playing. They, they wanted man, yeah. everyone to know that Yangena, we are within Yangan. <laughs> um, so, yeah, that was very funny. But yes, so the Supreme Court of Appeal sort of um, upholding a decision by the Kauteng mm. High Court to say that, listen, guys, you guys were not innocent bystanders because their argument was that, listen, Yes, this happened in Prasa, where they somehow magically favored us for these 5.5 billion rand contracts, uh, but we didn't know anything about it. Um, it's just our lucky stars that um, these random people, who supposedly don't know us, just decided that they're going to award us with all these lucrative contracts. And um, the Supreme because Court such a appeal, great company, yeah? Such a great company, and I guess, you know, there's like a guardian angel really smiling down on us. Um, because that's the only way it makes sense. So um, the Supreme Court of Appeal, um, Judge Chetty, if I have it right, just saying that, listen, guys, you you guys are not innocent bystanders. bystanders. And so what they have um, done is that they've said that, listen, um, we're not going to... Because I think what Siangena was going to court for is to say, we want you to to, to overturn... What the High Court said is that we were complicit in corruption. And so the SEA is basically upholding that. Mm. And they've also upholded the remedy that was suggested by the High Court, which is to say, okay, guys, let's hire an independent engineer to assess the work that you guys have done. And if the value is essentially lower than, you know, what you were paid, then basically, you know, you guys have to... Um, you guys have to pay up, right? Mm. And conversely, they said that if it's found that you guys were underpaid, then Prasa will have to pay you. Um, but it's very interesting. The I don't want to say it's audacity, but I can't really think of another word right it's now. <laughs> is that um, it's been shown that these guys, they channel substantial amounts of money to soft companies and, and other and other entities affiliated to the then CEO of, of Prasa Lucky Montana. And so the arguments that they have been using are extremely surprising. And, um, yeah, like I said, I can't think of a... There's possibly a less harsher word than audacity, um, but I can't think of another word at the moment. Yo, yo, yo. Ah, Gunzima. Then the other story... Yo, yo, yo. I mean, look, Sibanya is still water now. Yo, yo, this must be cruel punishment. I mean, these were the same workers uh, from Glurf, mm. uh, one of the more recognizable uh, mines in the gold belt in South Africa. You know, and they're saying Glurf is depleted now and they're going to have to restructure Section 189A process starting briefly. What do you make of this? Yeah, so some more bad news for the workforce and by implication, the, you know, for, I thought, the, for the work, workforce. And by implication, it's, it's bad for the entire country, whether you are directly impacted or not. So they've come out advising that they're going to engage in Section 189 consultation, which raises the possibility of retrenchments um, at the Beatrix 4 shaft as well as the Proof 1 plant. Um, and really, Sudanya coming out and saying that, listen, uh, we've had ongoing lo- losses at these um, two particular Let's pause there for a second, Uh, Kanya. Mm -hmm. Pause it just for a second. We're going to take this quick break. Okay, sure.
17 minutes before 8 p.m., you tuned in to Metro FM Talk here on the Mighty Metro. I'm in discussion with the co-founder at uh, Satana Capital, Kanyan Zululeka, and taking a look at uh, all of the big stories out in the markets. And uh, Kanya, we're still reflecting on that Section 189A um, process that is uh, set to start in earnest at uh, the gold operations of Sabanya Stillwater. Um, yeah, so they, they've come out with that in a sense, and um, in, within that sense, they've indicated that there's going to be possible retrenchment of up to 1,959 employees, um, and there might be up to 465 contractors affected. So I, I, what's very interesting, though, about um, these two areas that have been highlighted, that's the Beatrix 4 shaft as well as the Proof 1 plant, is that the Beatrix 4 life was previously prolonged in 2017 following the Section 189A consultations. Um, so you might look at that and say that it provides some hope that and there might be some reprieve. Um, however, I do think that it's, it's going to be unlikely that they might make that um, call again a second time around. And really, if you look at Sibanya's H1 2022 results, gold operations didn't um, perform that well. Um, your H1 2022 EBITDA was a negative 3.6 billion um, versus a 2.3 positive EBITDA in H1 2021. So other factors, you know, are, are obviously um, going to be, you know, figuring in their logistical issues, operational issues. However, I do think that um, there is something to be said about the Cliff One plant as well as Beatrix form a shaft. Yeah, I mean, uh, I guess this is the same shaft where there were the strikes, as I said, um, a few months ago. And uh, I guess it's, um, you know, I I can imagine how smug um, maybe some people might be uh, who are saying, look, you know, the miners are, you know, uh, trying to cut, uh, it's not saying trying to cut their nose to spite their face. Um, And uh, I guess a very difficult moment here. And we'll watch this one closely. But Kanya, we're going to have to leave it here for tonight. As always, a pleasure catching up with you and thank you very much for your time. Thank you so much, Aya. Kanya Zululeka is the CEO and co-founder at Satana Capital speaking to us for our wrap of the top business stories.